Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the text-to-pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. We finished up the What is the Church series yesterday. I thought it was a helpful series overall. Yeah, yeah, it was really good, really practical. I think that, yeah, I mean, we don't think about ecclesiology. As much as we should, right. I'm joined today, I skipped this part, but I'm joined today by the great Dr. Luigi, what's your middle name? Luigi Paul. Paul. Yeah, Luigi Paul Priolo. See. See. And, uh, and of course, your favorite dad caster in mind. Dad cast. Graham Thompson. You're, you're like, what, 25 days away? What's the due date? Uh, 24 days. Uh, 20, so it's 27. 22 right? days. 22, it's the 25th. 22 February. days. Uh-huh. In three weeks, you will have a child in your arms, Graham. I know. That's an amazing thing to think the about. The child will join us on the podcast, I think. One day. One day. You know, you know, you know that's amazing about the child, too, is like Imriana. Like, you know, last week we had this She'd great... She'd be great on the talk back. Oh, gosh, she'd be amazing. Because she always has great questions. Last yeah. week we did this trip. I, I had to do this uh, dinner ahead of the March for Life up in D.C., and I took her with me, and we had the best day. Here's, here's a pro tip, Graham. Daughter's eighth birthday, your son's eighth birthday that you have coming up in eight years. You should take him on a day trip to D.C., walk along the Washington Mall. We talked about everything. And we walked the whole distance. She loved it. Mm. And um, she'd be great for the. She'd be great for this. One of the things that I don't think we talked about, though, that, but that we're going to talk about right now, mm. is that the church uh, is not just an event. It's not just people that come together one. But, but we are a people who sometimes gather and who sometimes scatter, who you say most of the time scatter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we talked about really yesterday. Now, we, we kind of went at it um, talking, beginning with maybe helping to frame our understanding of who we are now in Christ. And that's really, uh, I think, what 2 Corinthians 5, and obviously this is all throughout the New Testament, but 2 Corinthians 5 has been particularly helpful for me in thinking about my union with Christ, who I am in Christ. Uh, Even as I think about it compared to maybe a gospel that I heard as a child, and I think you had a kind of a comment on that. Yeah, I mean... question. Exactly. I mean, the, you, you talked about the definition of a Christian and how oftentimes we can be confused with the definition. We could say maybe being a Christian is I pray a little bit and I get some practical wisdom and, you know, maybe, or I say the little prayer, get the practical right, wisdom, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, it, it kind of made me think about this guy I've been meeting with who saw some Jordan Peterson videos, started saying, hey, there could be some value in the Bible. And so he, you know, came to church. He and I have been meeting up and, uh, his perspective is really interesting. He's, he's trying to get the practical wisdom from Scripture, but bypass Jesus. And so he's, he's try, he, he recognizes that there's an overall design. We'd call that God's design. He sees that there's a design, but he's trying to get from sinner to, you know, follow these good principles and seek after the design while by, bypassing the whole sin, redemption, Christ aspect of things. Yeah, there, there's a, I've heard of this talked about before as a bloodless gospel or a, yeah. a gospel with no blood, right? 
um, the whole like repentance and faith and wrath of God and new life and all that kind of stuff um, is less attractive than mm-hmm. just like you can make better decisions, right? right? That's an easier sell, especially in a secular world of like, hey, we can help you make good decisions. And so I think that, you know, when we were, Lou and I were talking about um, how this preaching kind of made its way into the church, yeah. it, it wasn't so overtly that. I mean, you know, um, I, I mean, when I was a kid, it was like, we want to glorify God, but look at all this practical wisdom in the Bible, right, and right. we need Jesus too. Mm-hmm. Now I think kind of what's happening in the church is um, what it means to follow Jesus is to um, kind of follow his principles. So mm-hmm. like, even like, I think in a lot of churches, like I think somebody sent me a baptism testimony video one time and the person was being baptized and their testimony wasn't, you know, I, I was convicted of my sin. I realized that I had sinned against God. I started to hate my sin and I knew that I needed a savior, um, which is what I hope, you know, again, every baptism testimony is a little different, but I hope that, that those kinds of themes would come up in any baptism that we have. But it was more like, you know, I realized that there's a lot of order in God and there's yeah. a lot of truth in God and I want to follow him. And so I'm getting baptized. And that sounds great. I mean, you hear that and you're like, they want to follow God. Like, that's amazing. But then you realize, oh, that's actually not the gospel. Lou, you're going to say something? I think we have, to, we have to keep in mind what it says in Corinthians, the natural man, the unsaved man, the person who's not quickened by the Holy Spirit, not regenerate, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Um, He cannot know them. They're spiritually discerned. In fact, they're foolishness to him. You know, it's interesting, as a a counselor sometimes, um, we we want to make sure that everyone that we uh, are uh, counseling understands the gospel because their hands are going to be tied to a certain extent. In other words, there are principles in Scripture that make sense logically, apart from understanding the gospel. Um, but the fact of the matter is you only have a limited access to them. Mm-hmm. You have a, a limited ability to understand them, and you have a limited ability, if you're not a believer, without the Holy Spirit, right, yeah. to put it into practice. And so, yeah, there is a lot of wisdom in the Bible. And sometimes the, the practical basis, I mean, look, I mean, I've got a degree in psychology, basically, but people come to talk to me because I've, I've seen the scriptures as much more effective and sufficient. And so, of course, I believe that the scriptures, um, you know, are not only infallible, but that they are sufficient for life and godliness. But the fact of the matter is, apart from the gospel, it's, it's very limited. In fact, it can be dangerous mm-hmm. because what happens is, People um, take these principles to the extent that they understand them and can apply them to their lives without even being a believer in the first place. They get a little bit of relief, and then they go on merrily the rest of their life uh, straight on their way to hell because they don't Mm -hmm. understand the gospel. That's why we've got to be clear. Yes, it makes sense. Yes, it's logical. Yes, it's very utilitarian, but the bottom line is not the utilitarian. The bottom line is Christ. And I love that passage also because it talks about double imputation, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, that to me is just, you've got both sides. He becomes sin for us, right? He takes the blame for the sins that we committed. Uh, we get robed in, uh, in his righteousness. 
the gazillion dollars worth of righteousness that we need to get in heaven is mm-hmm. put into our bank account, right? That, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And therefore, I mean, the result of that is we can be reconciled to God. Right. And I think that is, that's what's often lost. I think that you and I were talking, so like when I was little, very revivalistic church and like every sermon kind of ended with Have like, fire and brimstone. or it was like a story about somebody that left church last Sunday and got in a car accident and we don't know where they're going right. to, but if you, you want to be sure of your salvation, you can pray this prayer or whatever. And that's good, right? That's no, true. I want people to make a decision right. for Christ. I don't, yeah, I don't even, I don't necessarily even fault like the guys that are preaching. I mean, I'm not saying they're being, mis- they're not. They're not trying to mislead people. They're trying to say, look, you got you to gotta make a decision here. And, and, and your only hope is Jesus. And so, yes, yes and amen. And then from there, it sort of morphed into a utilitarianism. Right. So it was like the decision was mm-hmm. pray this prayer. And then discipleship was use these principles to make mm-hmm. your life better. Which is also true if you're a Christian. Yes. But I would say that really being a Christian is what I was trying to get at yesterday, it's that focus change. It's, it's really where you're oriented. Not, I'm not using God's principles mm-hmm. to make my life better. I'm not finding Christ in me so much. I'm finding me in Christ. Right. Now, the result is Christ is in you too. That's right. the hope of glory. Like Christ is living through me, but I am oriented toward being in him and being found in him. And, and understanding my place in him, understanding that I have died with him, and understanding that I actually have been raised with him. And I want to talk about how that happens, too. I don't know. Graham, were you going to say something? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're talking about how um, people who aren't Christian could be see God's design, want to pick up on these Christian principles. But there's another side of it, too, where you can be Christian and be wooed by other principles in the world and probably unknowingly adopt them. I'm reading this book called uh, Family Driven Faith. You know, when, you, when you're having a kid, like everybody gives you all the, the parenting books, right? Got to. So, if you haven't read four books on how to disciple yeah, your I child mean, before birth, you're a, this you're, is gonna you're teach basically me not everything. a Christian. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's, it's being found in Christ and then, of course, reading the reading family all books, the books before your child. Well, I'm reading this book. It's by Vody Bachman Jr. And he says, um, we do marriage according to Dr. Phil, raise our children according to Dr. Spock, govern our sex lives according to Dr. Ruth, and only run to Dr. Jesus when things have gotten so bad that we can't find another doctor to help us. Yeah, that's good. And so I, I think like an example of the, the friend that I was talking to, he's looking to the principles, the Christian principles of our country. He's looking at the principles that he sees in the Bible. In fact, I, uh, you know, I told him, you know, I gave him a Bible and I said, like, read John. Let's go. Let's talk about it. Well, we showed up for, for lunch and he had read Proverbs. I don't have any issue with Proverbs, but now I can kind of see more or less what he's searching for. And, I, and so my, my guidance to him was like, you know, let's redirect ourselves and let's, you know, go back to John and you and I can read this through together and let's just see what the Bible says about Jesus and let's see what Jesus says about Jesus and figure out, do we agree on who Jesus, the, you know, do we agree on who Jesus is? Uh, let's just start there. Um, but just back to the whole family thing, I think that like one of the cautions are, uh, you know, you, you could, you can be a Christian and yet still be persuaded by the culture and adopt the, you know, the Dr. Phil philosophy in certain areas of life and miss out on, you know, what Lou's talking about and what you're talking about, about like the Christ centered life. And then I think in that way, the, the, the principles or the culture that the principles create kind of become 
uh, what's ultimate. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and, and again, this is not a political statement or whatever, sure. but I do think I'm kind of seeing that now in this moment where there are a lot of Christians that are very, very concerned with preserving like the Judeo-Christian value right. system. And again, I'm grateful for that system. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything against this. I'm right. grateful for Christian values. I'm grateful for Christian principles. But they're, they're so concerned with serving or preserving that system that they've kind of forgotten Christ who creates the system mm -hmm. and, and really the true pathway to the system. And I think that can be a very dangerous place. And that's some nuance, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, uh, that's some nuance. But, uh, you know, like I remember a professor of mine one time said, you know, I'd rather my, my kids watch Desperate Housewives than VeggieTales. <laughs> um, and, and, and again, this is not a knock on VeggieTales, but what they were trying to say is, look, moralism... Right, and, and obviously VeggieTales, I think there actually is some gospel in VeggieTales, but some VeggieTales is just a good moral lesson, mm -hmm. right? Moralism is so easy to find yourself in. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be honest. I am going to do this. I am going to do that. Whereas with Desperate Housewives, he could say, you, your soul is corrupt and you need a savior. This is, this is the true human condition here. And don't you see how much you need Jesus? Of mm -hmm. course, he wasn't being serious. He didn't really want his children watching Desperate Housewives. But the, the point is, is, you know, what we need to understand is that we need a savior. Right. And, uh, and I think moralism and systems and utilitarianism actually can lead us further away mm -hmm. from our understanding of the true righteousness that can be ours through faith in Christ. I, I think it really comes down to motives, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? Why do I want to obey the scripture? You, you talked about union in Christ. So you've got this coffee cup on the table here. And um, so now there's some water in the coffee cup, right? Lou just poured some water in the coffee cup. Thank you. So right now it's on the table, right? So to be in Christ means that like the cup, we are in him. So I'm going to take the coffee cup and I'm going to put it on the floor right now. We just put the coffee this cup. This is on a the very floor. active uh, talk. This is not back. a video loop. Yeah. The, the coffee cup is the, on the water floor. is now on the floor in the cup. We just bring the coffee cup. If I put the here. cup on the top shelf of that bookshelf, right, then the water, because that's where the cup is. Right. It, so that's the idea. That's where good. Christ is, we are in Him now. Now again, you know. Book after book after book in the New Testament, it starts out, especially Ephesians, right? We're with him, seated with him in the heavenlies. And so the idea is, look, you are united to Christ. You are with him. Positionally, you are there with him. And then that's the first half of the epistles. And then the second half of the epistles, the book, now live like it. Yeah. Right? So it if starts, that's true. Yeah, since that's true, yeah. live like it. And so, again, our motivation for... <laughs> working on our character, our motivation for being faithful, independent, for being honest, for, you know, for being pure, for being uh, loving rather than unloving or selfish, is because of what Christ has done for us. And yeah. I think if we lose sight of our position, of our union with Christ, then it is going to end up really being a kind of moralism. Um, and we can be deceived um, into thinking that we're really pleasing God. But be, so often in counseling, people, people say to me, is it right to do this? Is it wrong to do that? 
And it's one of those, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat biblically in many situations. And so I'll say, well, tell me what your motives are and I'll tell you if it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's important that we understand why we do what we do. And if we, if we catch ourselves doing things, you know, saving the things of man more than the things of God, then I think we need to make an adjustment. And, and actually, it seems that, particularly if you read the Gospels, it's like the worst thing that you could do, actually. It's it's almost like better to just like be a sinner. It's like the worst thing that you could do is be a whitewashed tomb, Hypocrite, but yeah. inside they're just dry bones, right, like right. or dead bones. Like the, the 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 worst thing is to appear righteous, but to not actually love righteousness. And and obviously there's a there's a message of discipline in there and all these kinds of things. Like sometimes you do the righteous thing, even though you don't love it yet, but. I, I do think but, like, but why do I do that? Because of my motive, right? right I mean, right. how many times do I do I obey God? Not because I feel like doing it, but because I know it's what God wants you to do. I'm trying and you to, actually love to God. please Him. That's yeah, right. right. Now I don't feel a whole lot of warm fuzzies for Him necessarily at that mm-hmm. moment, but I do what I know the Bible says pleases Him because I love Him because of what He's done for me. And what happens? Well, usually in a few minutes, my feelings start to change. And I think all this in Christ stuff can be a little confusing, which is why we have to understand faith. Right, and so that's what I was trying to explain yesterday with the whole Super Bowl analogies. Mm. By the way, the lady that was there was Shannon Lauer's mom. She I can't won. remember her name. She won. She won. Kansas she City did won. It. She won. She's a winner. She's a winner. You know, I actually last night. Okay, I was with uh, the. Uh, I texted my buddy, and I was like, "Congratulations!" Right. Uh, even though he was actually in Atlanta, I had just been at his house. I know that he was not in Miami. Oh, I thought you knew Mahomes there for a moment. No, I didn't text. Okay. I didn't text Patrick, even oh. though you know he and I go way back Texas yeah. Tech days. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I don't know Patrick, but anyway, I text this guy. I said, "Congratulations." Why did I do that? Because he is a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. He was born and raised in Kansas City, and so uh, loves the Chiefs. He's never. He didn't play for the Chiefs. Um, he's, you know, never like actually probably been on their sideline, but he identifies with them through faith. It, it, he, he is being found in them, if you will. And again, that's a, it's an imperfect analogy because it's a sports analogy, but I do think that there is something about sports that we can understand vicarious identity through. Um, and, uh, and it's the same thing, even though I'm not actually seated in the heavenly realms because I have faith in Christ, I'm with him there. Mm-hmm. And that should affect that should affect how I act here, uh, and that kind of gets to the second part. So if we're here, if we're still here, but we're at, we're there, why? And it's because of what the other part of the passage is about: is God has God is now making His appeal through His scattered church, as we go out and scatter throughout the city, people being found in Christ. God actually, it's it's like little Christ, which is actually the word Christian what it means, little Christ, little temples, little ambassadors of the Lord um, all throughout the city. Some of you actually maybe listen to this podcast while you're driving to work. You are going to that job place, wherever it is, to be an ambassador for Christ. And that's important. And so I want to talk about the rest of the time, how, how do you make this appeal? Um, And one of the things we talked about yesterday was, you know, we talked about influence. influence. Yeah. Credibility, people have to listen to you. Those are the three, I think. So how, how do you, Graham, pursue influence? I mean, how do you pursue those things? Well, I mean, the, I mean, the, the point that you brought up yesterday was to do something useful. And, and I agree with that. I think you have to, um, there, there's some sort of, pl- we, all, we all have some sort of platform. What is influence? It's, you know, people... 
um, you know, you provide something useful and there's a reason for someone to listen to you in a sense. And so, I mean, I have a full-time job and, you know, I do my best at it and occasionally people listen to me. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you yeah. know, I, so it's, uh, my life is a little odd scenario just for various reasons, but, uh, but I mean, another reason is like Tara, you know, you know, it's funny about, so I could have a full-time job. I could have a part-time job. I could be in seminary, whatever. But if I don't clean the house, you think I have any kind of influence with Tara? She didn't like that. No. She, she doesn't like that at all. But you know what gives me the most amount of influence with Tara is if I have a bucket with cleaning stuff and I go clean some toilets. You know My what? My wife is the same way. When they become a mom, exactly. too, it gets I worse. Know. I'm like, what? All what they want you to do is clean for them. You, you, you can like take them on the greatest day yeah. or whatever. Doesn't matter. Just go do the dishes. That's what, yeah. that's what they really want. So, Lou, you, you were telling us a story you know, sometimes you'll go to a restaurant or be oh, on an yeah. airplane or whatever, and people here. I mean, all I have to do basically uh, is to tell people I'm a counselor. Useful. And, yeah, I mean, it's over. At that point in time, you know, um, they ask a few questions, and then before too long, they're sharing their heart with me, and I often have the opportunity to explain I'm a biblical counselor, and then from there, go into the gospel. Yeah, and see, I mean, I always say, like, the, the worst job is just to be a pastor. Because, I mean, who cares? Like, you, the only people that I have influence over are people that somewhat respect the Word of God or are already Christians. So I have to kind of work hard to find influence in other ways. And, and you do. Yeah. Well, Just I, for the record. I try to. Thanks, Lou. You do. Thanks. But, you know, like, so for example, I mean, I've used this analogy before, but like the talent show at E-Rivers, right? Yeah. Like, I have credibility among these, like, PTA Because you own a tux. I do own a tux. I do own a tux. He wears the tux. But it's useful. It's like, man, that yeah. guy took on the talent show. Well, even, yeah. And so I think that, you know, even just with some of the administration in the schools, it's like, okay, this guy. And sometimes I think Christians, like, we can kind of get this self-righteous thing. Like, mm -hmm. look, we're serving God. We're, like, working in our church. And we can kind of forget about being useful among people that aren't yeah. believers. Um, and so, yeah, I think influence is huge. And then credibility, obviously, is you know, your, your life lining up. If you say, like, I believe in a merciful God, but you, like, never show mercy, I mean, it's like, you don't, you don't have any credibility. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. It, and I think that the passage um, that says, be ready always to give an answer for the reason of the hope that is in you, um, that implies that, that people are going to come to you and ask you questions. And the implication is also because they see something different about your life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think a big part of it is living uh, according to biblical principles, not being conformed to this world, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then people, you know, some people would think you fell out of a tree. They'll think you're nuts. But some people will be attracted to that and um, will ask you questions. And so that kind of gets us to the next thing. We talk about people listening, looking for the thin spots in our culture. Um, and I think this is something, I think people need a little help with this. So I, I'd like to spend a little time on this. How do you insert the gospel in a thin spot of culture? So I think a good place to start, you know, Graham, you were saying, like, what are the thin places? Yeah, I mean, it might be helpful to give a list and some comments. I mean, yesterday you mentioned a few helpful ones. Death is a common theme that people struggle through, whether it's family. And you mentioned Kobe Bryant um, and his daughter and the families that were on the helicopter that crashed. Um, morality, I think you mentioned the impeachment trials. And so uh, maybe giving some examples or um, 
headers, topics that might be helpful? Okay, yeah. Helpful for me. So I think a really great book for if you're listening and you're wanting to find the thin spots in a secular culture, a really, really good book is called Making Sense of God by Tim Keller. Mm -hmm. Basically what he does is he takes some of the intuitions that everybody's heart has, okay? Mm -hmm. So what's one of those intuitions? I think an intuition is morality, right? Yeah. You, you believe, you know, whether your worldview says it's true or not, because really a secular worldview, there is no real morality. There's only systems of behavior that we've come up with that help for human flourishing, right? That's not morality. That's not saying this is right or this is wrong. It's saying we as a culture have agreed that this is right because it, it, uh, it provides for human flourishing. That's very different from saying, no, 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 this is universally a good or this is right. universally an evil. Okay, so that, in, that in, uh, intuition that you think there is morality, well, that's a very thin spot in a secular world. There's not a satisfying answer for that. Mm -hmm. uh, another one is death, right? As, as natural as death is, everybody dies, right? Everybody dies. But as... Go ahead. Justice. I mean, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. As natural as death is, though, right? Um, we kind of think we're supposed to live forever. There is this. I mean, you know, the Bible says that God has put eternity in the heart of a man, and I think that's right. Like, I think people kind of have this longing for. There's got to be more. There's, there's, there's more than this. Death is always tragic, as you mentioned, Lou. Justice, right? Will there be justice, or can the evil person just continue to get away with it as long as they're like, like, will Kim Jong-un, okay, like, that's a good one, right? Is there ever going to be justice for how he's lived his life, or is he just going to get away with it, right? Mm. And, and obviously, I think, like, we as Christians would say, no, he's going to have to face God. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there, there, of course, is justice. Um, you know, having an identity that doesn't crush you or exclude others, you know, this is one of Keller's chapters, um, that is something that we all uh, long for. Uh, who am I really? And, and, you know, if your identity is in your work, you'll never really be happy because you'll always need your work. If your identity is in your wife, you'll crush her because she'll never be able to meet your expectations. If your identity is in your children, right, you'll be like the annoying parent that calls them way too much when they're old because you, you can't just let them be released. You need them to remind yourself, oh, I am somebody, I am important. And so I think that there's these intuitions that exist in our world that Christianity has a beautiful answer to. And I think if we're wise, if we're smart, if we kind of know our world, we can look for these moments and speak into them. And it's not just grew in a secular culture. We were talking earlier about Islam, right? So mm -hmm. like ISIS is, is you know, as, as horrible as ISIS has been, it has created a lot of doubt about Islam among a lot of Muslim people that you know, I know, or at least the, the people that I know that are mis ministering in the Muslim world know, and, and there's been a massive influx of folks into Christianity because they've seen ISIS, they've seen the behavior, and they've seen the justification of it through Quran, mm -hmm. and they said, is this really who I am? I don't know if I am like this. It's yeah. a thin spot. And then somebody's been able to step in with the gospel message. Yeah, if you take the Quran to its limits, as far as you can take it, we have something like ISIS. If you take the Bible as far as you can take it, I mean, you have the new you heavens, the new health. You have, yeah, 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 yeah. Or new heavens, new uh, earth. Um, 
and you have the gospel and you have Christ. And I mean, so, okay. Like, what does that look like really practically? Maybe this is one of the last. No, this is here, good. But, this is, you know, good. like if I'm, so I'm at work, right. And let's say I'm in the break room or something like that, or I'm out at lunch with someone and we always talk about the news. We talk about, well, I mean, a lot of it is coming from maybe sports, you know, the, the typical conversations. Um, how does that not come across like super awkward? I don't know. It's like, oh, we're just talking so about... I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think it says, be ready always. And so I think that implies you have to think about it ahead of time. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. I think, you know, there's wisdom in thinking this through ahead of time so that when you find yourself in those kinds of situations, you have an answer and you're ready to, to discuss it inte- intelligently. Mm-hmm. I'll give you I'll give you an example. I've got a friend, and um, been a friend for a long time. So there's a lot of trust there. Um, One of their parents is dying, okay, and they're not a believer, and so I, uh, you know, they're struggling with this, you know. And I just said, look, you know, one of the things I believe is that death is not natural. Mm -hmm. The reason this is so hard. You know, their parents lived, a, their, their parents are a little bit older than like most of our, right. you know, my age parents. Um, and so I said, to them, this is not natural. It's, even though they've lived a nice long life, death is always tragic. And I said, I think it's because there's something in us that knows that we're supposed to live forever. And so I'm kind of pointing back to the biblical narrative there. It wasn't awkward. It's just a little comment like that. Yeah. Um, now, Again, if they like take that bait, okay, I see. then I can run with that a little bit. But I'm inserting biblical worldview into that, right? Uh, you know, uh, the impeachment trial. Yeah. That's, a, that's one where I think everybody's like questioning the morality. I had a conversation the other day with an uh, Uber driver when I was in D.C. And he was so frustrated, you know, over the, um, you know, the state of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said, I think the problem with this current secular moment is that everybody's looking outside of themselves and nobody's looking inside of themselves. Everybody's saying it's his fault, it's her fault, it's that group's fault, it's this group's fault. And no one has the courage or humility to say, maybe it's my fault. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm selfish. Maybe I'm broken here. And so, again, I'm able to point to what we would call as Christians depravity. And I didn't say, like, well, have you considered depravity, Uber driver? You know, no, but, we, but I'm, I'm explaining that to him that actually uh, the natural inclination of everybody's heart because of sin is to be selfish, is to be self-concerned, is to be self-righteous, is to be self-centered or whatever else. And so I was, I was kind of able to help him think through that and so again and then we actually had a pretty long conversation that ended up leading to the gospel but i was able to kind of drop in christian worldview stuff Mm -hmm. and sometimes and it never i think if you kind of get good at this to your point lou it you can get to where it doesn't really feel that awkward Mm -hmm. um and you know then i think if you turn it to like you know have you considered these i mean you can you can push the gas on them if you want to but see, then I would say, wait for the thin spot. Like, drop in Christian worldview. If they take it, keep going down that road. Yeah. And they're going to keep giving you something or not. Sometimes they'll say, oh, let's talk about, you know, the Super Bowl or whatever. Then I think you just yeah. go with the Super Bowl. 
you know, again, I think like you're an ambassador for God. And if you think about like the role of an ambassador is actually to move forward the agenda of his own nation. And I think sometimes in evangelism, Christians can actually hurt the agenda, if you will, of our true nation Mm -hmm. because we just become annoying, you know. Um, And I think one of the great passages is if I could speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. And I think sometimes with, with, uh, with Christian evangelism, we, we, can, we can almost become so concerned with achieving the task of getting this person to a point of decision or whatever, that we're not actually loving the person. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think if you have you're in your mind, I love this person and I want to represent God really well, you'll be able to avoid some of those pitfalls. Not perfectly, because you're not a perfect ambassador, neither am I. But I think that those are two guideposts, right? I love this person, and I want to represent God and his kingdom well. I just had a thought. I haven't thought it all the way through. But, um, you know, it seems to me that an ambassador has to know the culture of the country that he's serving an ambassador. I had a conversation with my daughter who lives in London. And uh, we're talking about actually how to give the gospel to one of her friends. And, you know, the culture is a little bit different. What works in America um, might not work with, you know, a British person or an Italian person or someone from Brazil. And so I think part of being an ambassador is to get to know the person, to know his worldview, to um, understand. I mean, even in, here in Atlanta, we've got, you know, we've got a, a lot of different cultures kind of coming together. So I'm not sure how much to make of that, but I do think... No, that's really helpful. I think we have to be mindful of where people are coming from. I mean, from. to use an old, like, John Stott preaching thing, you're building a bridge between two worlds, right? Yeah, right. You've got to understand this world and their foundations, and then, of course, you have to understand the new heavens new earth. I mean, you got to understand... Right. who you are, who we are in Christ. And I think in this world too, Lou, especially in, in the, the how diverse this world is, you've got to, this is pretty sophisticated because, mm-hmm. because and, and that's something too, like I might get into the Uber, let's say I'm going to talk to an Uber driver because that's an easy one. And, yeah. and you should be doing this with obviously your friends that you know and you love too. But I might get into the Uber and I can ask a couple of questions and figure out, okay, where's this person coming from? So like, the Uber driver that I was talking about with in DC, I, I was able to discern, they weren't a believer, but I was able to discern they had some respect for the word of God. They had come from kind of a Christian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my other friend um, that I was mentioning earlier, very, very, very secular, right? So because I understand Christian, Southern Christian culture or whatever, I could understand this person a little bit. I'm not saying perfectly. Okay. And because I understand secular American culture, I can understand this person. And so I'm able to know, like, which buttons I can push with either. Um, And so, like, for example, the Southern Christian portion culture, like, you might be able to go to the Bible and say, hey, look, you know, the Bible says this because the Bible still has some sway and authority in their life. The super secular person, I have to use this more like these like Keller-esque, you know, arguments to say. Test their, you know, Have you ever thought about justice? Have you ever thought about... Yeah, I mean, I was appealing to order. I'm appealing mm-hmm. right. to, like, can we recognize some of these things we can all recognize, and then what's the best answer? Mm-hmm. We think about ambassador and diplomacy and being diplomatic. You know, sometimes I have to counsel people from different cultures, and I'm, I'm constantly in my mind asking, okay, this works in America. Is this going to work in his culture? So I, I go, I begin by, by going as a learner and a servant. I'll ask a lot of questions about where they're from, their culture, because I want to make sure 
not that the scripture changes, but the application of scripture may exactly. change. So I, I try to learn as much as I, you know, he who answers the matter before he hears it, the Bible says it's folly and shame unto him. And so before I give, even though I know my counsel may be spot on biblically, I want to learn as much as I can about the culture, about the person from a different culture so that I can um, adjust the application of the scripture to his particular need. And I think there's wisdom in being a learner and a servant, asking lots of questions. And don't, you know, don't. <laughs> One of the biggest problems I think in some cultures uh, missionaries have is they go over to France or England or Italy and, like, I'm this great American and I'm going to show how American Christianity. American Christianity is not going to work in France. American Christianity is not going to work exactly here, the way in another culture, the way it works here. And, and the, the arrogant American. Um, mentality, I've seen it turn people off in the different places in the world where I've lived because it's like, we're going to show you how to do this. Well, thank you. Why don't you learn who we are first and then maybe you can teach us something. An American Italian talking about humility. Mm. That that's gospel evidence right there. Sicilian. Italian. Yeah, that's, that's even, oh man, really? if, that, if that is possible... And we know the Lord is at work. Well, guys, we're, we're out of time. This has been great. We could go on for days like this. We've even toured around with having like a podcast just to talk about these kinds of things. How do you insert uh, the gospel? So if you're listening to this talk back right now and you'd be interested in something like that, let us know uh, because we really want to help you to be able to do this ambassador work really, really well. And it's something I think about a lot. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I, I think about it a lot. And, and the Lord's maybe giving me some grace there. So for Graham Thompson, the ultimate dad caster, yes, for sir. the Sicilian, Italian, American, humble man, Lou Priolo, Opa. I am Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.